listening to Vantage Point Podcast, dedicated to giving godly perspective to everyday living. Let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast. I'm Nick Ruffin, your host, and I'm so glad you're with us again this week. We're going to continue this series we've been in, and last week we started the series called Who Is This Jesus? And if you haven't listened to the first episode, I encourage you to go back and check it out. Part one was called For the Record. Uh, And in that episode, we talked about three things that are on the record of who Jesus is. And that was he is God and man. He is influence and he is for everybody. And really, the rest of this series, we're going to focus around those areas. We're going to kind of build on this. And as we lead up to Easter, and I just encourage you to stay with us and roll with us. And I really believe that each uh, of these episodes, uh, we're going to continue to peel back layers uh, into Jesus. And my hope is that each week we gain more understanding into his life and ministry. And so this week, I want to focus on the words of Jesus, right? And during his life and ministry, uh, there were a lot of things said about him, a lot of things that people thought about him and what they assumed he was and wasn't. And we talked a little bit about that last week, right? And people, this question of who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? That's a question that's, that's been going on for, for thousands of years, right? Um, and, and they were making their assumptions and theories as to who he was in one way um that I look at one way to look at this and how people perceive Jesus and I believe it holds true today is, is they were attempting to separate what is comfortable and easy to understand about Jesus right his kindness his message of unconditional love his healing of the sick from the things that are uncomfortable and most likely hard to accept right he was born of a virgin he is God he rose from the dead these are things that aren't readily accepted right because people aren't comfortable with saying these things right and and people want to believe who jesus is to the point of their comfort which is ultimately their own thinking right and and the key to remember is that we we can't fit jesus into our thinking right how could we take someone in jesus christ and fit him into a box that we think he is right and and so in other words we accept what makes sense but we reject what doesn't And, and this thinking really puts a cap on our ability to fully understand who he is right and so it it really just caps the whole relationship that we are to have with him and it only takes it to a surface level right again going back to the things we're comfortable with what we see him being kind him showing love him him caring for the sick and healing the sick those are things we see but when it comes to the depth of who he is him being god him raised being raised from the dead him being born of a virgin those are just things in our minds our limited minds we can't fathom and so when you take this approach right either uh, this either or approach to who jesus is you, you know you can see things pretty clear um you know people were good with who he was until he said who he was and, and it's when jesus begins to really state and claim who he is is when people begin to look at him funny they begin to question him and, and really begin to ask who wait who is this dude like who is he and and people often you know feel secure in their reasoning about somebody uh, about who someone is but when that person begins to state who they are 
that security begins to fade a little bit. And so for this week, week two of Who Is This Jesus, we're going to focus on these four words. We're going to focus on in his own words. We're going to focus on what Jesus said. And for the first part of, of this, Jesus claimed to be the son of God, equal with God, and possessed authority from God. And we talked about this last week. It was the first point, uh, but it's worth revisiting, right? For someone to say they are equal to God was something that, you know, most people didn't do. Um, you can look at any major religion. Uh, we, we don't see the leaders of that religion making the claim that they are on the same level or they are God, right? And, and not only did Jesus say this claim, he backed it up with words, right? In Luke twenty two seventy, it says, so they all said, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. And in verse uh, John 5, 17 through 18, it says, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking to kill him even more because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God. And this particular scripture is interesting because the passage began with Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath, which all that is, is it means a religious day of observance and abstinence from work. And for Jewish people, the Sabbath is kept on Friday evening to Saturday evening and by most Christians on Sunday. And and so after Jesus heals this man, um, word gets back to the Jewish leaders and, and they begin to question him on it. Right. And Jesus provides his answer and the leaders just couldn't come to grips that he placed himself as the son of God. And in this moment, Jesus did not fit again, like we mentioned earlier, he didn't fit in their box of religious practice, right? Don't do these things on the Sabbath. So instead of accepting his words, they said, because of his words, he doesn't fit in our thoughts. So he, he we, we have to do something about this. We have to get rid of him. And, and, and then even again, in, in uh, Matthew 28, 18, it says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, and, and Jesus had already demonstrated this God-given authority in his teachings for no man really spoke the way he did, right? He displayed authority over sickness, disease, even those oppressed by demons, uh, paralytics, all of them. He healed these people. He also demonstrated his authority over Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness, right? He proved his authority on earth to forgive sins by saying to the paralyzed man, arise and take up thy bed and walk. He proclaimed his authority in the temple of God when he accused the rulers of Israel uh, with, with, the, with his words, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, right? And, and we can have confidence in who Jesus said he is because there's no power in heaven or earth, under earth, all of that that's been placed, that has not been placed under his authority in time and through eternity, right? And for at the actual name of Jesus, it says that every knee will bow uh, of things of heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, Jesus also claimed live a sinless life. John eight forty three forty seven says, why? Do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which 
one of you can convict me of sin. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, hears the word of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. And at this point in this scripture, Jesus is speaking to some Jewish leaders about who they belong to, right? And 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 in this back and forth, they claim to be children of God. And Jesus calls them out on that and, and on that statement and says, if you, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God, not on my own coming. And he says that their father is the devil. And he ultimately asked the question, can any of you convict me of sin? Can, can any of you tell me what wrong I've done in this life that I've lived? Then confirms to them that to hear from God is to belong to God. And one thing to understand is that Jesus was fully human. So the ability to sin was in him, right? If he weren't able to sin, he could not be tempted genuinely and would not have been able to be who we needed him to be. He, he shows us the tools we need to combat sin, which is the word of God. When, when we look at his life, when we look at the life of Jesus, his handling of temptation and even the prospect of sin presented to him gives us hope that we too can combat these things uh, with victory, right? Through his sinless life, God was able to accept the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus also claimed to be the one and only way to God. John 14, one through six says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to the to place, that I go to the, did I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare the place for you, I will come again and will take you myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. In this scripture, Jesus is speaking to Thomas, one of his disciples, and this debate that they're having is surrounded by them not knowing or really fully understanding where Jesus is going. And so he begins by telling his disciples about the pending betrayal that's coming, right? The the Judas, the betrayal, the whole thing is coming. And they're trying to make sense of his words. And, and after he, he breaks this thing down to them, he says in verse four, you know the way to the place I'm going. And Thomas says, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going, right? And, and again, you think about, the the thought process or them trying to comprehend again back to the point right we comprehend him being gracious and compassionate we we see that but now he's talking about stuff that i don't really fully understand and i can't really see it so you're telling me i know the way to the place that you're going but we don't even know where you're going right and, and jesus states verse six and reaffirms that the way to god is through him jesus was sent to be a bridge for us, to be reclaimed in relationship with God. Through our relationship with Jesus, we're brought back to God. Even the people with Jesus, his disciples, didn't fully understand who he was, right? They had to be reminded. They had to be taught just like we do, right? We have to be um, reminded. We have to tell ourselves. We have to know who he was, and right? And that's the premise of this series is to know 
who Jesus is, right? We can't, we know who he is for the record. Now we, we got to know what he said, who he said he was. Um, and another thing that he said, he claimed to, he claimed he had the power to forgive sins and provide everlasting life. John 11 verse 21 through 25 says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll, I know he'll rise again, but it's in the resurrection on the last day, right? And, and Jesus said, wait, 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 I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And, and this whole, this whole back and forth with, with Martha, again, goes right back to the thing of, they have an understanding, but they don't have the full understanding of who he is, right? And and, and this is after uh, Martha's brother Lazarus had died and Jesus arrived. Uh, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Jesus and Martha, they shared this dialogue, which leads to Martha saying what we just read is that, you know, God will give you whatever you ask. If you had been here, he might be alive, but I know God will give you what, what you ask for. And, and Jesus is trying to explain that, even though he's dead, even though that Lazarus was dead, the authority that Jesus has over life and death is about to be witnessed. I, I need you to see that is what he's saying. Like, this is who I am. And, and even at the tomb, when when uh, her thinking is still wrapped in what she knows and what she sees, Jesus literally asked her in verse 39, he asked them to remove the stone that was covering the tomb entrance. And Martha's more concerned with the stench of a dead body for four days. And Jesus said that, haven't I told you that you're about to see the glory of God in what I'm about to do? And and, and that's something that's so key when we think about how Jesus, he's claiming to be forgiven of sins and, and provide everlasting life. He is literally about to bring life back into Lazarus from a dead state after four days. We're talking post-mortem four days of death. Like here he is telling them what he's about to do, but they're so focused on what they know it's going to happen later on. They're not seeing who he is in this moment. And even when we talk about forgiveness of sins, uh, Luke 5, 20, uh, uh, Luke 5, 20 and 21 says, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to question saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Again, they're thinking what they know versus what they don't know, right? Um, it, Jesus is, is in this scripture, before we get to verse 20 and 21, he's healing a paralyzed man. Right there, there's this big crowd around where Jesus is, and these men are trying to get their 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 guy there, and, and they can't, so they have to get on this roof to get him to Jesus. Right, and Jesus saw this faith that these men had. This, you know, when you think about faith, you 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 just get to a place that you have to get inside. Knowing what's inside can help you. And you do whatever it takes to get inside. You get on the roof. You, you lower your friend. You're doing whatever you, you can do. And Jesus sees this faith. And he acknowledges the faith and forgives the sin. And again, the religious leaders, thinking on their own context, could not fully see what just happened. They were so focused on how can he do something that only God can do? Well, he is God. He's already established that. He said that to you. But again, it's can I take the impossible 
out of out of context and 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 really put it in context and and understand that this is who he said he is and i can move in the faith to know that in his own words he is jesus christ the son of god and also jesus predicted his own death and resurrection right in luke 18 verse 31 through 33 says after taking the 12 he said to them we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after they flogged him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. Now, if you kind of picture this, this scripture, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them what's about to happen to him. Um, but again, they're so focused on, him leaving they're so focused on what they know to be jesus that they're not fully connecting what's about to happen and how it's about to happen he's literally laying out the game plan and the framework for them in preparation of what's to come and a lot of the times when we when you really dig into who jesus is and you really dive into it again which each with each of these claims there's this running theme of they they get it, but they don't get it, right? They see it, but they don't see it. And, and Jesus is literally in this moment telling them uh, who he is. And even when you do more research, there's over 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ. And literally he is telling them every one of those prophecies, every one of those things that were said about me before me are about to come true. I need you to take note. I need you to see what's going on because if you get this, you're going to get everything else. Don't be so caught up in what you see. Don't be so caught up in what you understand because the thing that's going to unlock this for you is the things you don't understand. And if you really truly believe me, you truly love me, you truly are connected to God, then you will see who I am is who I say I am. And then the last thing he says, um, he said he would be back. And Matthew 24, verse 27 through 30, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the son of man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man. And then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Bottom line, after reading all of that, Jesus knew he was the son of God. He spoke, they, they, they were speaking of him in Old Testament, in the Old Testament. He knew that his life without sin um, had to be lived so he can die on a cross and then be raised and then return. And, and when he does return, it is happening. Like this is something that's doctrinal in what you believe when it comes to Jesus Christ. Again, it's what do you see and what do you what do you not see? What are you comfortable believing? What are you uncomfortable believing? I love this saying, and it's been a, it's a leadership saying. It's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and and one thing that I know when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to this walk, when it comes to this journey, like 
it's not a comfortable journey. It's not a comfortable walk. It's not a walk in the park, so to speak. This is something where you're going to be challenged. You're going to have to change your thought. You're going to have to change your actions. And each of these claims, as Jesus is telling us who he is, we have to now ask ourselves, what do we believe when we hear the words of Jesus? These are his own words coming to us, not somebody else's. This is his words coming to us. And really, as I, as I bring this episode to a close, that there's something I want to touch on that, that was said in the scripture, uh, the one we just read. And it says in verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man. It says it again in verse 27, there so will be the coming of the son of man. And that term, son of man, those three words, son of man, There were actually 85 times in the New Testament that Jesus said, referring to himself as the son of man. And and, and here's some characteristics about Jesus, the man. Um, He was born in Bethlehem to a poor family. His mother, Mary, a virgin, Joseph was a stepfather. Both were in the line of David and the tribe of Judah, which fulfilled several of those Old Testament prophecies I mentioned earlier regarding Jesus. He grew up in Nazareth. He learned carpentry. He began his ministry at 30. He was tempted by Satan for 40 days, resisting that temptation by quoting the word of God. He was misunderstood by family and friends and enemies. He had human needs to eat, drink, and sleep. He showed human emotions, love, happiness, sadness, anger. Why does that matter? Why is that significant? In 33 years of existence on earth, Jesus experienced every temptation we face. And in that experience showed us how to model our behavior. First Peter 2.21 says, Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his footsteps. Jesus knows what we go through. Going back to the beginning, we cannot limit Jesus to our comfortable and negate the uncomfortable parts of him. I found this when I was prepping for this. It says this, labeling Jesus only as God's savior acknowledges he can forgive sins, return from the dead, but cannot relate to us as sinners. Labeling Jesus as man's savior assures he can relate to us but negates his authority and power to forgive sins and return from the dead. The bottom line, according to his words, in his own words, he's both. And I want you to consider this scripture. It comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 48 through 58. It says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As we, the man of dust, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are also those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this imper- for this perishable body must be on the imperishable, and this mortal body must be on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immorality, immortality, then shall come to pass... The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your string? Sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I mention this every week of this series. I want to end with a prayer of salvation. And I encourage you, if you want to know Jesus, I mean really know him, establish the relationship with him, help your uncomfortable get comfortable, get comfortable with that part of it, right? Because we see Jesus who he is in the comfort level, in the comfort of our mind. But I encourage you to step out in your faith and, and, and embrace some of that uncomfort of who he is um, and, and recite this prayer with me. It says, Lord God, thank you for loving me enough to send your one and only son to die for me. I know I'm a sinner and that Jesus was crucified and raised to life to pay a debt that I was unable to pay in order that I may live with you forever. I want to turn from my way of life and follow Jesus. I invite Jesus into my heart as the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for giving me new life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm telling you, if you if you prayed that prayer, I want to know. Email us. This is vantagepoint at gmail.com. I want to give you resources. I want to help you on this walk, on this journey to really get an understanding of who he is, because I'm telling you, once this, once your comfort and your uncomfortability come together, you begin to really understand who Jesus is. Man, I thank y'all for rolling with me for another episode. We'll catch you next week, week three. Who is this Jesus? Peace out.